And thank you, Gary. Uh, Gary didn't realize that he was going to be able to be here today. And, of course, and neither of their wives could make it, so that's why they recorded a video. Gary got off easy, didn't he, Paul? In, uh, in God's providence, the next passage that we are uh, studying from in God's Word is Matthew chapter 13, uh, verses 31 through 35. So you can turn with me there. And the reason I say it's providential is that these parables are about growth and about kingdom growth and how the kingdom grows. So let's give our attention to God's word. Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 35. He, that is Jesus, put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed. That a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds. But when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree. So that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, he said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's pray and ask for his help. Our good and gracious king. Would you open our eyes to behold wonderful things in your word? Teach us and transform us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, You have already heard a lot today, and so your brains may be getting close to full. Uh, So I'm, I'm only going to share a few observations from these parables. It's also providential that this is a short passage. So see, there you go. Um. Before, I, before we talk about what Jesus says in this parable about God's kingdom, I just want to remind you of a couple of simple definitions. Uh, we have been looking at Matthew's gospel for a while. We've been talking about the kingdom. But just remember that God's kingdom is wherever, God, is wherever people receive and accept God's rule. So we know that, that all of creation is under God's rule. Everything and everyone is. And yet we also know that there are many who do not accept that rule. They are not a part of God's kingdom in that sense, that they are rebels to the king. Just like our first parents, Adam and Eve rebelled against God's rule. So also humanity, their children have followed suit. And so God sends his son Jesus to live a righteous life, to die a, a sinner's death, And rise again from the dead to bring people into his kingdom. So Jesus comes bringing God's kingdom. uh, Bringing people into God's rule and experiencing God's blessing. Now, the church is related to but different than the kingdom. When we're talking about the kingdom and the church, we're not talking about the same thing. The church is an outpost of God's kingdom. It is an embassy of God's kingdom in enemy territory. Right? Our, our mission is to tell people the good news of what Jesus has done and bring them into the kingdom. So the church uh, 
is a, we might say, a, a function or an outpost or an embassy of the kingdom. They're not one and the same, uh, but they are related to each other. With that in mind, let me just share a couple of thoughts uh, from this, these two parables that Jesus tells about how the kingdom grows. The first thing that we need to notice is that the work of the kingdom will often be hidden and slow. Just like a mustard seed, uh, just like yeast working its way through dough, you, you wouldn't look at either of those things and say, man, this is going to be amazing. Well, maybe the yeast working through the dough, but uh, if you're talking about Shannon Smitherman's bread. Um, but you wouldn't look at yeast, you wouldn't look at a seed and say, this, the great things are in store, right? Those are unimpressive, small things. And Jesus' first disciples needed to hear this because they were expecting, we talked about this last week, they were expecting to come, this, this king to come with power and pop. He was going to ride in on the horse and he was going to kill all of the enemies, sub, uh, subdue all the opposition, right? It was going to come dramatically with power. And what happened instead was a humble carpenter teaching and healing. That's what the kingdom looked like. So uh, from all outward perception, the Jesus movement was a joke. No one would have looked at what they were doing in, in Galilee, which, by the way, we wouldn't even know where that is if Jesus had not been born there, if Jesus had not lived and done ministry there. It is an unimportant place. We wouldn't even know uh, just, by, just by the way that we measure things. And then think about how that movement ended. Right? It, didn't, it didn't start with a bang to begin with. Right? It, I mean, there were crowds gathered around Jesus, but like over time, he didn't attract more. He actually lost people. So at the very end of his life, he's abandoned by his friends. All alone, naked and defenseless, executed on a Roman cross. If, if we were going to start a movement, we certainly wouldn't do it that way. Uh, from, from all worldly perspective, I mean, that, that right there is what we call a marketing nightmare. There's no way to dress that up and make it pretty. But that's how God's kingdom comes. That's how kingdom work happens, right? God doesn't need our strength. He doesn't need all of the impressive things that we think we need to bring to the table. In fact, God uses weakness and death to bring about life. That's how the kingdom grows. So kingdom work, following the course, following Jesus' example, will often be hidden and slow it will be small. But, that's the first observation. Here's the second. But do not underestimate its impact. Right? A mustard seed does not stay a mustard seed. As Jesus says, it grows. And while we wouldn't quite call it a tree, and you know, if you're a, if you're a farmer, 
by technical definitions. Jesus says this mustard seed grows into this tree and birds from all over the place find a home in its branches. Jesus is borrowing an image from the book of Daniel and the book of Ezekiel where the the humble and broken house of David uh, starts small and insignificant, but it grows and it fills the earth and it becomes a kingdom. And people from all nations gather to it, not just Jews, but Gentiles, right? The little seed grows into a tree. The same can be said about the leaven and the dough. Again, yeast works hiddenly. You you don't really know it's working. Uh, And the amount of flour that Jesus gives this woman in this parable, three measures of flour, uh, ends up being, we, we would calculate that as 47 pounds of flour. Enough to feed 100 people. And just with a little bit of leaven... Right? She, she hides a little bit in there and then just starts kneading. What, what could be more insignificant and mundane than making bread? And yet that's how the kingdom grows. That yeast works its way through the entire batch until the whole thing is leavened. So the kingdom may start small. It may look insignificant. It may be hidden, but it will have an impact. It will grow into a tree that houses the nations. It will grow into enough bread to feed over a hundred people. What does that mean for us? How do we apply that here and now in this, at this moment in our church? Faithfulness is the goal. Not numerical growth. Not financial growth. But faithfulness. Faithfulness to whom? Jesus. We will measure success by faithfulness to Jesus. Are people coming to know him? Are people growing in their relationship to him? Right? If you want to imagine, we we use this image a lot, um, the ministry of the church as as a funnel. Call it the funnel of discipleship. And at the, at the widest part of the funnel would, would be this gathering, right? Our worship gathering on, on Sunday mornings. It's where the most people fit in. But we want people to keep coming down that funnel, right? Growing in their relationship to Christ. Growing in their ability and desire to share that gospel with other people. Right? That's, what, that's how we will measure success. Are we helping people come to know Jesus? Faithfulness to him. And faithfulness to his mission. Are we growing in our desire and our ability to help people know and follow Jesus? That's what we want to be about here. That's the goal. Not numerical growth. Not financial growth. Right? Not a certain amount in the bank account. Not a certain amount in the pews. Now, I'll be honest. I love it when this room is full. And I am discouraged when it is not. And if I'm not careful, I set my eyes on the wrong goal. I put my, I begin to measure success with the wrong standard. But the the standard that we're going to measure by is faithfulness to Jesus and faithfulness to his mission. And so we need to judge carefully what we're seeing. 
large numbers may not indicate kingdom success. Uh, Ligon Duncan, who's a, a seminary, uh, one of my seminary professors and a pastor, he says this, large numbers and large dollars are not the proof of kingdom work. If you think about it, uh, any, anything that you could compare it to, I'll, I'll use our, one of our common idols, uh, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, large numbers and large dollars. There are a lot of people and a lot of money gathered around the athletic programs of the University of Alabama. But is that proof of God's kingdom at work? The answer to that is no, by the way. No. And not, just, and not just if you're an Auburn fan, if you're a human, right? No. That's, that's, large numbers and large dollars are not proof of kingdom work. But here's what, uh, here's what Duncan says. He says, they are the opportunity of kingdom work. And so while we aren't setting our sights on large numbers, we can also swing the pendulum in the other direction and say, large numbers are bad, right? We want to be small and angry, right? Um, we don't want to swing the pendulum in either direction. Large numbers and large dollars may not be the proof of kingdom work, but they represent an opportunity for kingdom work. Right? We don't despise large numbers either. More people and more dollars working towards the same goal can accomplish more. The kingdom does grow, and we want to participate in that. Right? It doesn't stay a mustard seed. It grows into a tree, and we want to participate in that. And so one more, one more thought, and I'll close with this. We want to aim at the goal of faithfulness. And we don't want to give up. Here's what Paul says to our brothers and sisters in Galatia. He says, let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. And then he writes this to our brothers and sisters in Corinth when he says, Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. So as we fix our eyes on Jesus, not on our circumstances, as we fix our eyes on his mission, and don't give up, he will be faithful. He will do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ask or imagine. That is what our focus is. Jesus closes this section, or Matthew rather, closes this section by Referring to Psalm 78, I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. What's interesting about that psalm is it is a psalm of Asaph, and he says, I'm writing these things for the coming generations. I'm writing these things to remind the coming generations of God's faithfulness, of how he has been at work in the midst of his people of how he saved them from Egypt, he saved them from slavery, how he gave them a king, how they rebelled, how he did not let them go. And then in the fullness of time, right, beyond Asaph's own day into, into the New Testament, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. Friend, that is our hope. That is who and what we cling to. 
as we look to, uh, Paul already mentioned this, right? Where, where will we be in 25 years? Where will we be in 50 years? I've mentioned this before, right? I don't know any of these people on these windows. Right? There are names at the bottom of these windows, and I don't know any of them. We're going to do the same thing. Our, our goal is to build something that, that we may not ever fully enjoy, but that our children and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren, that they may have the opportunity to enjoy if the Lord does not return first. That's what we're aiming for. Let me close us in prayer. Lord, as we have sung and heard this morning, great is your faithfulness. Lord, thank you for your faithfulness to this church over a over hundred years. Thank you for your faithfulness in growing your kingdom despite its insignificant and small beginnings. Lord, help us not to despise the day of small things. And help us not to despise the day of great things either. For we see that the kingdom grows slowly. That it grows hiddenly. But it does grow. And as we've already heard this morning from people, from our leaders who've gone before us, you have been impacting people here for decades, for a century. And you will continue to do it long after we are gone. So, Lord, would you help us to remain faithful to you in pursuing your mission and helping people know and follow Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.